Most people in the Salesforce ecosystem identify Talent Stacker as a platform for entry-level Salesforce professionals. But what a lot of people don't know is that we actually also serve established Salesforce professionals. If you want to check out our free resources for leveling up your Salesforce career, make sure to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash CAP. That's talentstacker.com forward slash CAP. And you can get a free Salesforce Career Accelerator Toolkit, helping you with everything from planning your career goals, designing a strategy to implement those goals into reality, helping you with salary negotiation for landing a new job or with your current employer, as well as much more. So be sure to check out that Career Accelerator Toolkit. If you have a BA who is subpar, your project is subpar, full stop. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And And you're you're listening listening to the the Salesforce Salesforce for Everyone Everyone podcast. In today's show, our guest walks us through the ins and outs of the business analyst role. When I first heard Hey talk about VA work and all that, I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is too hard. There are so many questions. Also, Brad gets honest about productivity tools. It's your skills that are the most important. You can't do it yourself, then you're not going to be able to get the tool to do it effectively either. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be continuing forward from last week's episode. So last week, we talked all about a day in the life of a Salesforce administrator, how a Salesforce administrator fits into the overall Salesforce ecosystem, and what you might be getting yourself into if you go that route. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to another amazing guest, about what it looks like to be a business analyst on a team. And this individual is specifically a consulting business analyst. And we'll talk about some of the differences there and hopefully give you a better idea of what it might look like going in that direction in the Salesforce ecosystem. So as always, to cover this topic with me today, we've got Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going pretty well. Planning for my next vacation as usual per every other week. No, I'm just kidding. But this particular one, I had to plan ahead of time because it's at a national park and reservations get released months ahead and you have to be on it to the the second for when they open up. How are you doing? Yeah, doing good. Sort of coming off the back end of what you're going into. So we just finished up our trip to the national parks in Utah. We went to Bryce and Zion. And so that was fun. It was pretty exhausting. So I'm glad to be home and get some rest and jump back into the swing of things. So it's been great. So yeah, who are we Who are we talking to today? Yeah, I'd love to introduce this person. I've known her a while and she is like my leadership guru, coach, everything Salesforce consulting, Payman Lim. She runs the Zenhow Training Academy, which is a leadership academy for consulting and project delivery excellence focused in the Salesforce arena. And with over 25 years working with Microsoft and Salesforce partners, she's a seasoned CRM consultant and program manager. Pei, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. All right, so let's jump in. I mean, we can just get right to it. Do you mind telling us, just giving the audience a background if they don't already know who you are, which they should, of course, know who Pei is. But if they don't, give us a little background on what you're up to and sort of what I guess you do a day in the life. Thank you very much. As Anita said, all my life since I left university in the last century has been in the partner ecosystem. So initially in the Salesforce partner ecosystem, and then about 2014, I moved over to Salesforce 
done almost every single role within the project team. The one that I enjoy the most that I still keep my hat on is the business analyst role. It's slightly different from a consulting versus an end user, but broadly, the things that we do are very much the same. So from the BA side, I moved over to solutions architecting, project management and program management. And in about 2020, I kind of noticed that a lot of people were getting certified on the trailhead and getting really good with the product, but there seemed to be lacking in terms of resources around helping them understand how to design and develop systems and implement them within projects. So mostly the business analyst side of things, as well as the project management side of things. So I started my company called Zenhow Academy, and I built a curriculum around how to run discoveries well, because that's key in ensuring that projects run well. And that's what everyone wants, really sexy Salesforce systems. And you can really only do that when you understand what the client really wants or need. Yeah. So can we talk about that for a second? Because you used a term there, discovery, right? And I know discovery may not be obvious to a lot of people. And I know I've worked in consulting for a number of years and we had sales discovery before there was even maybe a statement of work in place. But then we had really inside the project, we had discovery again with the delivery team, the actual people who are going to do the work to really dial in. Like the sales team may have told us one thing, but what we're really going to do on this project could be considerably different. So could you tell us a little bit about Obviously, you you talked about the importance of it, and I would 100% agree, but I would love for you to tell us a little bit about a BA gets in there, they do discovery. What does that mean? What are we trying to pull out of that process? If you allow me to segue slightly to one of your episodes that you had with Jody, and you were actually talking about how sometimes users come to you with a request, and the analogy is... You think you've got a problem and you go to the internet and you figure it out and you go to a heart surgeon and go, here you go. I need a stent. Please put it in for me. In the same way, clients approach problems just like that. I think I know what needs fixing. You go ahead and fix it. You go ahead and do it because I know better. And the challenge is if you're the heart surgeon or consultant or the people putting in the system what you really need to do is to understand what you're dealing with, what kind of technical debts in place, what kind of state is the data, for example, the processes, are they all working as it should be? Does everyone know what they're doing, where all the handoff is and where inefficiencies are? So most of the time we don't, even I, when I'm doing my own things, there's a lot of inefficiencies in how I organize my home, etc. So what discovery is, it is a process whereby a business analyst will sit down with the client or the end user or the stakeholders and understand the step-by-step process of the operations. It could be anything from lead management to opportunity management or contact center, complaints, escalation, Admission of students, admissions, and triaging of patients. There's so many processes out there. And what a BA has to do is to understand first, how do you do things? How do you currently do things? What's working well? What's not working well? Where are the opportunities for improvements? 
And how can we leverage the platform, the product, the software, the functionality that's available in Salesforce in order to make things better for the end user? So that's what discovery is. It's not dark arts or anything. There is actually a process in which you can apply to get to the bottom of issues, understand what the user is saying when they are talking about their pain points, their frustrations, and it goes towards being able to ask great questions, listening well, articulating what we understand so that we are on the same page with the end user or the client in order to just really get to the heart of the matter. Wow, really great explanation. And that sounds like a lot. If you could, I guess maybe percentage-wise, account for how much time discovery takes for a business analyst versus, you know, all their other responsibilities and tasks about like what percentage of time is that discovery process take? A better question would be what should it take? So from my point of view, the more time you spend and the more energy you focus on discovery, that means less time dealing with issues that come out of a project where things aren't designed well and issues and defects come up and you've got to rework things and redesign things. So the more focus and energy you can put on discovery, the better the project will run. So it's very difficult to say a percentage of time because that totally depends on the complexity of the project. If you're an end user environment, then that would be an ongoing thing a business analyst would have to do. The difference from an end client business analyst and a consulting business analyst is that if you work for a Salesforce partner, you are bound by the project start date and end date. You kind of have to get the discovery done, be really, really good at eliciting requirements properly, document it really well, and then execute it. And then we go on to the next project. So that's kind of uh, the difference between a consulting business analyst and an end user one. If you're an end user business analyst, That's kind of your role. You go and you look at different processes one after another. You tackle them. You gather requirements. You groom the user story. So that's an agile term. And then you continuously improve. And that's a job role in itself if you're talking about a large enterprise organization. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you can start to see as you describe this why it's so vital. And I think really when we think about business analysts, at least from my perspective, you know, going from being specifically in the Salesforce space for about the last, I guess, 12, 13 years now, BAs have not gotten the recognition that they need. And this has trickled over into client projects. Like I remember being on consulting projects, especially maybe like five years ago, and clients would look to save money. And they'd say, well, we don't need a project manager on this project. We don't need a business analyst on this project. We just need a dev and we can do the rest from our side. And it's not true at all for all the reasons you just mentioned. And going back to that sort of analogy you used with the patient coming to the doctor, telling the doctor what the problem was, what the solution was, and how they were going to fix it. That's the exact issue that makes itself so evident early on in projects when you don't have a good project manager, you don't have a good business analyst on the project, and you have a someone walking up to the administrator or solution architect or developer or technical architect. Sorry to use all these role names. Like That's the whole thing about this series. There's so many role names. But walking in and just having the client say, our sales process is inefficient. We're not converting as many leads into customers as we'd like to. And the problem is this, and this is how you're going to fix it. 
And it's like, no, that's actually not your problem. That's your perceived problem. And that's actually not how you fix it. That's actually outdated Salesforce functionality from a couple of years ago. And now there's a whole new way to do that that's much more streamlined and efficient for your company. So I think that's incredible. And so I'd like to talk about the divide a little bit because we've talked a little bit about getting in, doing the discovery, understanding the actual needs of the business, you know, speaking with stakeholders and really diving into the processes. And I think that's important too. And I get asked a lot, what makes a great Salesforce professional? Like someone I've never heard of Salesforce until today, what would you say would show that I might want to be a Salesforce professional? And usually I say, it's an interest in business processes, a true interest. Like you really want to know how the machine works. Like I don't just want to hear that I'm going to help with the sales department. I want to know from start to finish when sales gets that lead in the door, how do they nurture it? How do they get in contact with it? How do they inform the customer about the particular product that they have? What reports are they looking at? What automations are in place? What emails? There's so much that goes into this. And I would like to understand from your perspective when do other members of the team get involved, right? Because when we think of a developer, we think of somebody sitting in a closed room silo with six screens in front of them, and they've got their headphones on and they're just writing code. And our admins or solution architects might be writing up design documents or doing the declarative work inside of Salesforce to build everything out. What's the business analyst relationship with those other individuals on the internal project team? I think apart from the project manager, a business analyst is actually the glue that sticks all of it together because the BA is there right in front of the client, right at the beginning of the process, understanding the requirements, not just the written requirements, but also all the tacit intangible energy about what a particular client or end user might feel about specific issues that they're facing. So they can absorb all of that and they may not be able to translate that into the words within the user stories that then gets passed on to the rest of the team to actually build out the user stories. But they can also try and articulate that in conversations, in talking to the QA, for example, the testers, make sure you test this bit, especially since the client have found issues in this particular scenario. Make sure you make multiple negative scenarios. Make sure you walk down this unhappy path in this way. So a lot of these things, it's very difficult to document within requirements. So they are the ones who can pass on the communication, the energy, the understanding of the whole situation far more than just using words, if that makes sense. So they can talk to the developers, again, finding ways to articulate the entirety of what the issue, what the problem is that the end user is facing and how maybe the developer could approach things in order to design a well-architected solution, basically. So from my point of view, very much like the project manager, they are the glue that holds everything together. Yeah, from my experience, having a great VA prevents questions later, especially once the sprint has started, then like (laughs) the team is asking all these follow-up questions that should have been asked prior. And if the VA was really good, they would have the answers right then and there for it. But it sometimes delays the development and deployment of new features because the VA might have missed something. So there's a lot of back and forth. So that's why it's so important to have a really good VA and shout out to Pace. (laughs) 
self-paced course because she really teaches you how to ask the right questions and just be like an efficient business analyst. I wanted to pivot and kind of analyze the business analyst, I guess, role and processes. Do you have any favorite tools or technology that you use that helped you when you worked as a BA? To be honest, I don't think the tools are as important as the skills. And I go back to the active listening and the questioning skills that are so, so important Because once you can understand what the issues are, then the documenting, whether in a business requirement document or a user story that's in a Google Sheet or in Jira or your tool of choice, it doesn't matter because the skill really is in the questions and the answers. And I would say that that, when you find a good BA, you will know that that person is the anchor from which everything else hangs together. So if you have A BA who is subpar, your project is subpar, full stop. It doesn't matter how good your developer is or how good your technical architect and everything else. If the requirements aren't strong, the solution will not be an optimal one. So the tools and the processes, the hardware processes doesn't matter as much as the skill that lies within the person. I really love that. Like, I love that because we've seen that a ton with especially members of the career advancement group where a lot of people, when they land that first job, that's a lot of their first questions is like, which tools do I use? And we know there's so many like SaaS tools and you can get it on your phone and apps and this and that. And they just want to inundate themselves with tools. And I've seen, you know, especially when I was working with helping people start freelancing that's what they wanted to do. It was like, in a lot of my freelancing, I ran a lot of things out of Excel and people would join in and they'd go, oh, that's so rudimentary. That's so old school. You're a Salesforce professional and you use Excel. And it's like, yeah, because I'm managing like three to five projects at a time and I can keep up with my time here. It's not a big deal. Of course, I could use a stopwatch tool and this and that, but I'm not going to use it. I know myself. And then they're using QuickBooks, which is totally fine. But I'm like, hey, look, I can generate an invoice in an Excel template and type in my number for the month and I can send it over and it's just not a big deal. And they wanted everything to have a tool for every single process. And then they were managing logins and forgetting to document things in the tool. And then they got around to tax time and they were scrounging for, I sent three invoices as an email, but I sent these other five through QuickBooks. And now I don't have all my tax things aligned to do my estimated taxes. And there's just so much that goes into this. And everyone wanted, they didn't want to use an Excel sheet for project management. They wanted to use project management tool. They all wanted to use Trello and you know all these other tools. And I think that's fine, but we can inundate ourselves with tool usage and just get confused because I know, especially for talent stacker members coming in, they're learning, they're on Trailhead, they're on LinkedIn. Now we got them logging into talent stacker. And then a lot of times we'll have advice like, Hey, we should all use this tool because I love this tool. And it's like, people are already learning three new platforms that they've got to figure out how to use to transition into a new job. Not to mention zoom meetings or joining Salesforce webinar days or, you know, whatever it is. And there's so much to learn and learn to log into and these kind of things. So I couldn't agree with you more that it's the understanding of the process. Once again, your own process in doing your own work, you need to understand how you work and not necessarily rely on a tool to do it for you. Because if you can't do it yourself, then you're not going to be able to get the tool to do it effectively either. It's your skills that are the most important. Um, 
You're welcome to speak on that if you'd like to, but I was going to ask you too, what are some of the, I don't want to say mistakes, but I mean, I, I think that's a fair way to ask it, but, but what are some of the mistakes that you see business analysts making that you feel like, you know, just things that they could polish a little bit more, maybe things that you reiterate in your training, because I'm sure a lot of business analysts might have five years experience, but they're just doing some fundamental things that once they fix those, the machine just gets that much smoother. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your take on that. So let me just extend my answer from what we were talking about earlier on around processes and tools. So one of the things that a lot of people will ask me is, what tool do you use to draw your process maps? There's so many in the market. Which one do you use best? And I would say pen and paper to start with, because what makes a really good business analyst, it's not how pretty your drawing is, but how clear and how articulate your process map is insofar that you can give that map to anyone and they will totally understand what you're trying to achieve there without having to ask. You've got the right legends, you've got the right labels, your arrows point the right way, there are now infinite loops, and it's all self-explanatory. And this is not a tool skill. This is a visualization skill. How do you grab inputs, process in your head and go, how do I display this in a way that anyone could understand, even if they don't understand English, for example, and just a few verbs like send email, update status, dispatch item. These all things are very easily learnable. But then I'll follow on and answer your second question is that a lot of experienced business analysts will probably have acquired bad habits already. And some of the bad habits might be the more complex my diagram is, the more clever I look. And I rarely see a diagram that will stand on its own. And I could talking to a solutions architect with this really big drawing of many flows. And I will say, you need to explain it to me because I cannot understand this. And that is a hallmark of communication that's not clear enough for the end user. If you're talking to another architect, then that's fine. But usually a business analyst, you're communicating to, it could be nurses, you're rolling out systems that nurses have to use or teachers have to use, or people who don't encounter technology and the jargon and the artifacts from a daily basis. So it's got to be crisp, clear, simple, and digestible. And that's the thing that you know, affects senior, PA senior, tech architect senior, anybody, is that the higher up they go, the more senior they get, there is a feeling that they've got to justify where they're at in terms of status by just using big words and making things more complicated than it needs to be. And I think a lot of senior BAs just kind of forget that your role is to, and I, I was thinking about this really a lot lately, your role is to ensure clear communication. And clear communication is two things. It is neural synchronicity. That means you and I, brain waves are synchronized and emotional resonance. So we're both on the same page. It's not one way, it's two ways. And we're both in the same place mentally and also emotionally. That's your job. And when you get there, the solution that you design will be the right one. I wanted to touch uh, based on the communication part, because that is hard to get right. 
Do you have any tips on how to be a good communicator, whether like, I guess, how often or when to communicate? And this could be, you know, project stakeholders or your own development team or your manager, stuff like that. Do you have any tips for people who are looking to get into becoming a Salesforce business analyst? Communication has got many roles, right? One is telling you where we are. So project status updates, more like a broadcast. That's a different kind of communication than say, let me sit down with somebody who's struggling with something so that I can understand what it is that they're struggling with and I can find a way to help them get to where they want to be. Based on where they are, am I coaching or am I directing and helping them? So if you're talking about people who are not used to running projects, then as seasoned BAs or as consultants, our role is like a coach. We do lots of projects. We know that these are the steps that you've got to go through. Let me help you get there. So that's one way of communicating and just helping someone get to where they want to be. I think if you're talking about that sort of communication, which is broadly a big part of our job, either as BAs or consultants or professionals within the Salesforce network, I go back to the principles, which is back to active listening. And active listening is about meeting the other person where they are and asking them, where are you now? How are you coping with where you are now? And where do you want to go? Where do you see that gap is? And then helping to peel back layers by asking different kinds of questions, empathetic questions, open questions, questions that aren't laced with any judgments or any direction, trying to get them to move where you want them to go. And basically, this act is what they call holding a really safe space for them just to be and to talk about anything they want to talk about in this space. Oh, I hate my current system. My manager is forcing me to use it, but I really hate it. I don't know why. You know, just let them carry on. And then because of the way that you're able to project yourself and connect with them, and have emotional resonance, as I was saying, then they feel safe with you. When they're safe with you, you can go places. And that's what being a great communicator is about. It's helping people move forward to where they want to get to without pushing them there. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> you answered stuff I didn't even realize to ask. <laughs> it's so true. I think I'm having the same feeling right now because I used to have this feeling, and I'm going to sound like a jerk, but I, I had this feeling that I was good at consulting when I was independent consulting. And one of the reasons why I was never just a technological savant, I never got into programming. I was never crazy good with flows. I was never an amazing technical architect. Like going back to you talking about documenting your flows, I was the one where my diagram was all rectangles. Like I had no idea what those shapes meant. And I was just putting rectangles in a pattern, but in a way that I could sit down with a team and I could say, check this out. And then they're like, yep, our leads go from that rectangle and then they go to this place and then they work their way over here and building these process maps in a really amateur way, but in a way that was communicable. And I think the same goes to even when my projects were going sideways or, you know, for a year of my consulting, I was on an RV trip. And so there were days where I had to make clients feel like I was getting everything done and they were my top priority. But really, I knew I had to get from point A to point B 
and get the camper set up. And then I was going to spend from like 10 till two o'clock in the morning working on their project. And really I had done nothing, but I was going to get it all done tonight. But making it feel like everything's good, we're calm, we're communicated. And a lot of it has to do with what you were talking about right there. It was, we were on the same wavelength. There was an ability to, we knew each other. We had a relationship. If they were excited about something, I could communicate in a way that calmed them down. If I was stressed about something, they could communicate in a way that calmed me down. And it went both ways. And I think you're right. It's those communication skills, which I feel like are some of the most difficult skills to teach that I've seen. It's almost like, and you, you're probably thinking, yeah, that's exactly why I do what I do. Like, because we have to be able to communicate those skills and it's key to be able to communicate well. And it's not just well-spoken and skipping your ums and uhs. It's very different than just public speaking. It is being able to actually become in sync with another person. And that is a big part of not just Salesforce consulting or Microsoft consulting, but I think communication in general and relationship building. Got a question, but I wanted to see, is there anything you want to add on to, to my rant there? No, I think you're absolutely right. It's more than just telling you things, telling you like you ought to be using this system. It is really understanding. I just like the word emotional resonance and being in sync because I can't find any other phrases that describes it. So yeah, well put. Yeah, I think emotional resonance, that's a good word. We have to coin that. I don't know if that's a commonly used term, but it should be because it, it makes a lot of sense. I was going to sort of carry the conversation into, you know, going all the way back to like, what is the Salesforce for Everyone podcast about? And typically it's for entry-level people, right? And I feel like probably our entry-level people right now are going like, whoa, that was a lot. I got to like rewind and re-listen and get out my notepad. Maybe I shouldn't have done this one while driving because I really got to take notes on this one. And I think you're right. But what I would say is that going all the way back to these people who are like, okay, all right, fine. I get what a business analyst does to a degree at this point. I kind of am starting to understand my role in this whole thing. So how do I differentiate me? Like I don't have a background as a BA. I've seen that there's a BA certification. Like, is that what I need? Or, you know, we at Talent Stacker talk a ton about people are like certification hoarding. And it's like, let me get a Salesforce admin certificate. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go get advanced admin or platform app builder. And they just go collect certifications. That's fine if that's what you want to do. But we found that there's a more efficient and a more productive route to differentiating yourself. Because it turns out when the whole world is focused on getting certifications, that ends up not being a great way to differentiate yourself from the whole world. So from your perspective, as an entry-level individual who I've gone, I've seen devs, I've seen admins. I've seen BAs and BA seems like the one I want to dip my toes into and really focus on that to start with. What would you recommend to people? Is it the BA cert? Is it other skills? How do I show my value as someone who doesn't have a background as a BA? Let's imagine that I have a nephew who is just finishing what we call A-level here and maybe potentially could go into the Salesforce ecosystem. What I would say to him would be, a BA is someone who's really, really interested in processes and there are processes everywhere. So as an example, how do you apply for a scholarship? How do you buy a car? How do you get approved for finances to get a loan? How do you book a holiday? I know how Anita books a holiday um, and so on and so forth. So sit down and break down every single step of that process, whatever that might be. 
let's say you have just successfully gone through getting a loan and getting yourself on the housing ladder. How about breaking that all that down into little process steps that you could share it to your schoolmate and say, hey, if you want to do that, follow these steps. And by practicing that, you get really, really good at identifying where the gaps are, where misunderstandings come. So if I wanted to hire someone into the BA role, I would say, have you thought of this? Sit down and draw me your process map for booking your favorite holiday to a place that you've never been before, but that you might need visa, that you might need X, Y, Z. Go and research and draw it out for me. And I would look at that and, you know, based on the quality and the ease of understanding, I'd say, right, this might be something you want to get into because your process map is really clear and I totally understand what you're trying to get to. So I think that's a skill. The BA is the person who digs deep, tries to understand each step of a particular piece of operation so that you can identify where you can improve. So the improvement might be a manual one, might be you print this and you take this to this department, or it could be a functionality on Salesforce, automation, flows, etc. But it's technology agnostic. It's looking at something and understanding the flow of steps between people, between systems, between functionality, identifying places to improve and articulating that so that you can make the world better for all the people involved in those operations. So if they can do that over and above any certification, I think the cert is just validating your understanding, but it's a core skill. And again, within that, it is asking questions and listening properly, and then the ability to synthesize all that into little rectangles and arrows and decision diamonds so that you can play it back and the other person goes, ah, that's what I do. It's little arrows and yes, absolutely. Then I will say you've got the skill it takes to become a really good BA. <laughs> I was laughing at the book holiday part because Pei is actually the person who taught me how to do process maps. And one of the assignments was to process map my uh, process for booking a vacation. And it, it was a lot of fun. I think out of all the roles, personally, a BA is has more transferable skills from different industries to like a Salesforce BA. I'll give you an example. When I worked in hospitality, I worked at a hotel. We had this guest motivational leadership speaker come in and speak to all the managers. And one of my favorite things he taught us was giving good directions, which is it was just like a BA, you know, step by step processing. But like the way he did it is he was up in front of the audience and he had like peanut butter, jelly, bread, a butter knife in front of him. So he picked someone from the audience to like, hey, teach me how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, <laughs> we learned real quick that you had to be very specific because a person didn't mention about using the knife, which end of the knife to dip into the peanut butter. So the guy used his fingers. They weren't clear on like which part of the bread and stuff. It, it was really hilarious, but it, it taught everyone like how important it is to be very specific with the process, especially because we have team members from all around the world. So things work differently. PB&Js aren't really, I don't think they're a thing in Europe. I didn't see peanut butter anywhere in Europe when I went there. We do have peanut butter. Yes. Maybe in the UK, but I remember other countries, it was really hard to find peanut butter. (laughs) 
That's so interesting. That it's hilarious, first of all. And it's so like the point that you're making is so seriously true. Like you have to understand that like uh, most people know what a PB&J is, right? And that's the benefit that we're all given is assuming that everyone has a foundational understanding of what we're trying to get across. And I feel like to Pay's point earlier about, you know, BAs with maybe senior experience or more years of experience, we slowly forget. I see the same thing with people trying to teach, you know, like what we do at Talent Stackers, helping people get into entry-level Salesforce jobs. And a lot of these senior Salesforce professionals have forgotten what it's like to not be in your first role yet, to have not achieved that milestone. And it's very hard for them to teach the process. Maybe we need a good BA to come help people understand how to break into these roles because that's what we forget. We forget that they don't know what the PB&J is or how it's made or what parts go into it. And we're like, yeah, no duh, you need two pieces of bread. No duh, you need a utensil to actually spread the ingredients onto the, like, that's so obvious, but it's not so obvious when you've never seen the finished product, when you don't understand the finished product, when you haven't been through this before, then this is completely out of left field. And that's it for any process, right? Any process we're going to go through, like teaching someone how to drive a car, right? It's like get in and press the gas. Like, no, not even close. Like there's so many steps that happen between that. And if there's one thing that this episode pulls back to, I think that entire concept is so important. Like that's the BA, right? The BA goes from allowing a company to actually implement a vision and working that backwards to making sure all the stakeholders and the team members and everyone on the consulting team or the internal project team and all of the management and all of the end users. And by the end of it all, everyone understands how it works and why it works, and they're able to communicate that effectively, that is the BA. And to Pay's point, it's the glue that holds everything together, right? It's that person that glues everything together. It's very true. All right. So where do we go next? I mean, is there anything major Pay that you feel like, I know Anita's probably got a list of questions, but is there anything major at this point, Pay, where you're like, there's these fundamental understandings, there's these things that I wish more people knew, anything like that that stands out to you? I think just drawing from the example with the PB&J, the one thing that people forget, as you say, is the assumptions that go into the things that we do. So I was a senior project manager at CAP. And one of the things that I was given were red projects. So projects that were in trouble, that were in distress, that were over budget, uh, had technical issues, sometimes where it might be walking towards the legal line. And usually it is because discovery was not done properly and requirements weren't tight enough. When requirements aren't tight, assumptions creep in. And if you flip that back, a lot of the times the requirements aren't tight because the BA had made assumptions that the end user understands what this particular user story meant. And that's the thing that if it can be avoided, it would make the project a lot more smoother. And again, it goes back to being in resonance with the other person emotionally and and also um, the brainwaves. I don't know how else to say that, but your thinking and my thinking, we're thinking the same thing. We're on the same page. That has to happen. When that happens, 
the assumptions go out the window because I'm already there. You're there. I'm there. And when I articulate things in the user stories and in my process maps, in my communication, we are in sync. That's the true skill of being a business analyst. You know, forget about all the processes and all the tools. If you can do that just right, I think you've got what it takes to make it in the ecosystem. And to the listeners out there, I know like I'm in your shoes. When I first heard Kay talk about VA work and all that, it, it was overwhelming. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is too hard. That's too much to know, too much to remember. How do you know which questions to ask when? There are so many questions. And Pei has a couple of decades of experience. You will learn as you go, trust me. So don't let this overwhelming topic of being a BA deter you because it is a really great role. And I think certain aspects of it is really satisfying when you actually help the business, you help your team members, you help the company run more efficiently, you, you make people's lives easier. Um, I have one more follow-up question for Pay. I don't have a whole list, Brad. I have one. What's the best part of being a VA like for you personally that you absolutely love? It's when I see that the system that we design and build is the one that truly makes a big difference to the users that we are trying to serve. If you allow me just to go back to what you were saying earlier on about things being very overwhelming for the BA, what questions to ask, maybe if I can make it a little bit easier in terms of the listening and the questioning, the questioning comes easy if you don't focus on the what. The questioning comes easy when you're focusing on listening, when you're paying attention to the other person to say, walk me through what you do when you get to work. What systems do you log in? Do you key in here? Do you, you got two systems? Tell me about the two systems. How do you make sure that they're in sync? What happens next? Tell me, oh, that frustrates you. Tell me a little bit more. Why does that frustrate you? Does it frustrate anyone else? So those sort of questions doesn't require a huge amount of preparation. Of course, you need to prepare, especially if you are designing a very specific system for a client. But the big part of the conversation, of the connection, of the empathetic conversation is around just putting the other person as the most important person that you're listening to right now and letting their conversation guide you rather than, oh, what should I ask next? Maybe I should tell them about this other client who did things this way, et cetera, et cetera. So I just thought I would just give that little tip that to anyone who's feeling overwhelmed. Well, Pei, I really could listen to you talk about BA, becoming a business analyst and being a business analyst all day. I, I feel like you reignited my passion to get back into more business analyst tasks. I've been working as a scrum master for almost a year now, but I miss it. I miss making process maps and getting better at it. On that note, if you could give one piece of advice to someone new who wants to become a Salesforce business analyst, what would that be? I think if someone listened to this podcast and found that it resonated and sparks a thought as to, oh, maybe this is for me, then I'd say, have a look around you and see if you can find any processes that you might pick up and find a way to process map it out, draw it out, and then look at the process. So it could be things like cooking your favorite dish, 
or making your bed or something like that. And just write down the steps so detailed, so discreet, so simple that perhaps you could pass it to a friend who could just follow that steps. And if they can't sit down and look at why did I did I assume something here? Is there a missing step or is there something that's not clear or the diagram has too many shapes? So just do that, kind of practice it and see whether that's something that lights your fire because it lights my fire. I know, maybe I'm a nerd, but it's something that I get excited about because part of being an, a BA in the Salesforce ecosystem is looking at someone's process and then finding a way to make their world better, the people who are operating these processes. And if you can do that and enjoy doing that, then BA might be the path that you might want to take. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have any friends you want to share that kind of information with, feel free to post it in the Salesforce for Everyone Facebook group. Everyone is really friendly there. So don't be afraid. And honestly, the, the sillier the process, the better it is. You'll probably get more comments on those. I'm trying to think of ones I would do probably morning routine or taking care of my dog. I don't think I do very many silly things throughout the day or, or cooking recipes are great. But if you find yourself interested in transitioning to a business analyst role, specifically a Salesforce BA role, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start to join the five day challenge. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing these posts of diagrams written on sheets of paper posted in the Salesforce for Everyone group. Like Anita said, everyone is so friendly and you're actually going to be able to interface with veteran Salesforce business analysts inside of that group, as well as beginners and people who are excited about this too. So, you know, you posting your process map of whatever it is you do is going to give other people permission to post their process maps and to be silly too and to really enjoy this journey of seeing if being a business analyst is for you. So if you're enjoying the show and these amazing guests that we've had the privilege of hosting, please take a moment to subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening on. And if you don't mind, go ahead and leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Of course, we prefer five-star reviews. If you've got one of those available, um, then we'll take it. If you would like for a question of yours to be asked on the Salesforce for Everyone podcast Q&A episode, be sure to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail, and you can ask your questions there. And until then, we will see you on next week's episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this scrappy can-do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.